Good morning. Thanks, Matt, for that um, time of worship and the team. That was absolutely beautiful. I'm almost hoarse because I wanted to sing the songs so loud today. It was really beautiful. We're reading from John chapter 14 today, uh, verses 5 to 14, and I'm reading from the New International Version. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. This is God's precious word. Well, good morning to our friends, our brothers and sisters at Inverell Baptist. I'm going to invite everyone to be upstanding. Let's all face the camera at the back and give them a very warm wave this morning. (laughs) Greetings from Erina. God bless you. (laughs) Well, if you're visiting with us today, we've got a video camera that's recording these sermon series to bless a, a country town, a country church up at Inverell. And uh, we're sort of looking at ways that we can partner with them, and this is one of those. So thanks for being a part of that. Uh, last Sunday, we only got up to verse 4, and we didn't even get to where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so today is kind of part two of, uh, of that particular message. Uh, next Sunday, as I mentioned, is our justice service, and then the Sunday after, we'll come back and, com- and complete our I am series by looking at uh, I am the vine. Let us open in pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity that we have today to come together as a body of believers to worship you in spirit and in truth. Uh, Thank you, Father, for the gathering um, and the opportunity to meet together with like-minded men and women, boys and girls, who declare that Jesus is Lord and uh, seek to submit themselves under your word. And so, Father, as we come now to that time in the service where we look at your word and and ask what it has to say to us today, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to not only hear your words, but, Lord, to be diligent about putting them into practice, Uh, that Jesus following you would not be something that just happens in our minds, but that, in fact, it would be something that happens in our lives 
the way that we live our lives and the way our lives orientate around you and your kingdom priorities and agenda. And so we thank you for this passage of Scripture this morning in John 14 and pray that you would just help by your Holy Spirit illuminate that word into our hearts this morning. Help us to leave with a a stronger sense of conviction about you, Lord, being the way to the Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Christians claim that it is only through trusting in Jesus that a person can enter into a right relationship with God. In an increasingly pluralistic society, the idea of an absolute uh, exclusive truth is considered to be arrogant and bigoted. To claim that Christianity is the truth is to necessarily claim that all other religions are false. And such an assertion is in stark contrast to the commonly held view that many hold in society, and that is that all paths or all religions lead to God. How many of you have heard that before? Uh, That, you know, whatever religion you have is fine. My religion might be different to yours, but ultimately all of these paths lead to the same summit. So, do all religions lead to God? Well, it sure sounds nice and democratic, doesn't it? (laughs) But even a quick study of world religions will reveal the differences, and there are many Perhaps it is fair to say, and this is where a lot of people may get the notion that all religions lead to God, it is fair to say that many of the major world religions share very similar teachings around ethics and morals. So for argument's sake, most religions would affirm the Ten Commandments. Uh, They might not have the Ten Commandments, but they might have many teachings that align with or affirm the Ten Commandments. Where the real difference shows up in regards to difference in religion is salvation, the way of salvation, how a person is saved. You see, In other religions, how a person is saved really comes down to how they've lived their life, the good works that they've done. What sets Christianity apart is that it's not about what we do or have done, it's about what Jesus has done. And that is the difference. In John 14, 6, we find this I am claim of Jesus. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Although Christianity's claim to exclusive faith is founded on this one verse, so much of the Bible's teaching and claims point towards and support this most important declaration of Christ. In verse 4, Jesus had assured his disciples, you know the way to the place where I am going. And it seems that before Jesus had almost, had, all, had even finished that statement, Thomas is very quick to interject with these words, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus doesn't hesitate to enlighten Thomas of 
that way by declaring that he is the way and the truth and the life and that no one comes to the Father except through me, through Jesus. As we have seen, each time Jesus makes an I am statement, he is equating himself with the I am title that Yahweh gave to Moses in Exodus 3.14. And there's an interesting nuance here that the I am is the way to the I am. More than just a place, heaven is the presence of a person, the Father. And the way to that place and the way to that person is through a person, the Son. Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus is the truth of all that we find in the Father. Put simply, Jesus is the only way that a person can have a relationship with God and spend eternity in heaven. Jesus is not a way. He is the way. And to affirm that Jesus is the way acknowledges that he shows us who God is and how God acts in the world. The way of Jesus is the way of humility and self-denial for the sake of others. The way of Jesus leads us to the Father. The way of Jesus was demonstrated in the life that he lived. Jesus is not just a truth. He is the truth. Truth is not finally to be found in abstract notions or theories, but rather truth is found in the person of Jesus Christ, the unique Son of God, who is the living embodiment of truth. From this perspective, to know the truth is to be in relationship with the person who is the truth. Finally, Jesus is not a life, he is the life. The fullness of life in Jesus is found in proper relationship to the Father through the person of Christ. This life is not simply an escape from divine judgment, death and destruction, but also a particular quality of life, a life that is lived in fellowship and in harmony with the Father through the Son. Without question, this is an exclusive claim that goes against the grain of our very pluralistic society. But perhaps we are not the only ones who claim exclusivity. Itinerant speaker Michelle Tepper says, Every single major world religion, even atheism, which is the lack of religion, is exclusive. If you are an atheist, then you're excluding those that have faith. If you are a universalist and say all roads lead to the same way, then you are excluding those who believe they have a way to God, whether it's a Muslim person, a Jewish person, or a Christian person. So in spite of the criticism that Christians receive for claiming exclusive faith and exclusive truth, how wonderful is it to know that there is a way to God and that way is made so clear 
That way to God is through Jesus, the Son. In 14 verse 7, Jesus continues in his response to Thomas. However, his words are no longer directed at Thomas alone, but Jesus is now speaking to all his disciples. And he says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you know him and have seen him. Three times in this one verse, Jesus uses the word know. Jesus is speaking here of knowing in an intimate, personal relationship, not just cognitive knowledge, but there is a sense of actually knowing the person, of relating to them. You see, it's not enough just to know about God. We need to know God personally, and He can be personally known through Jesus. In 14.8, Philip speaks up. Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for this. Now, I imagine at this point, Jesus might be a little bit like a parent responding to a child who's continually asking the same question after the response is given. It's a little bit like, are we there yet? Uh, And then Jesus is like, guys, didn't I just explain that if you know me, if you've seen me, you've seen God and you know the Father? But Philip is not yet satisfied. So Jesus, in his gracious and loving way responds to Philip's request with these impassioned words. Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Jesus is the perfect image, the exact replica of the Father. You see, to see Jesus is to see the Father and experience God. Thus Jesus urges his disciples to believe in him because of his words. But if they cannot believe because of his words alone, then he invites them uh, to believe because of the works he has done and they have witnessed through his ministry. John closes this section of chapter 14 in a very surprising way. Uh, John records these words from Jesus that deal with fruitfulness of ministry and the agenda of Christ's kingdom. He does this in the context of the disciples, as you recall from last Sunday in verses 1 to 4, the disciples have very troubled hearts. So Jesus is speaking to them and trying to alleviate their troubled hearts, firstly by reminding them that there is a place that is secured for them in heaven and that he is coming back for them. But secondly, he talks about the fact of ministry and of Christ-centered ministry and how that is going to help calm their troubled hearts as well. And Jesus says in verse 12, Very truly, I tell you, Whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. 
for the church to grow and for the ministry of Jesus to continue to flourish, he needs to go to the Father in order to send the Spirit. Jesus proclaims that his disciples will perform even greater works than he has. That's quite a statement, isn't it? In all of my readings of the New Testament, I don't recall the disciples turning water into wine, feeding thousands or raising a person from the dead. Hence, the greater works here do not refer to greater in degree, but greater in the sense of extent and effect. As to extent, Christ's ministry was limited to a short time frame. His public ministry lasted for about three years. And geographically, it was centered around the area of Palestine. But through the church, the ministry of Christ ended up reaching the ends of the earth. As to the effect multitudes from around the world have come to believe in Christ and be placed into his universal church. Uh, When we examine the early chapters of Acts, for example, we find that from a numerical standpoint, the works of Peter and the other disciples surpass that of Jesus in any one day. On the day of Pentecost, you'll recall that Peter preached a sermon where 3,000 came to give their lives to Christ. On that day, more people were added to the church than the entire three years of Christ's ministry on earth. All this occurs because Jesus' power goes, uh, Jesus' power comes upon the disciples through his spirit when he goes to the Father. Jesus releases the Holy Spirit to enable his ministry to continue through his church. Jesus concludes in verses 13 and 14 with these words. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. What are we to make of these verses, which appear to be a promise to grant any request, so long as it is asked in Jesus' name? I recall when I was about 13... And this wasn't Bronnie, but I was desperately in love with a girl. (laughs) And the desire of my heart was that she would love me. And I just prayed, God, would you give me this girlfriend? And that prayer was never answered. And and I always finished the prayer in Jesus' name. Um, I remember my uncle passionately praying with me, you know, that God would grant me the desire of my heart. Well, is a 13-year-old boy having the girl of his dreams as his girlfriend the father's will? Maybe it is, but I don't think in this case it was. But what we see here is that so often our desires and our requests may not align with the will of God, with, with his agenda. And so what Jesus is saying is when we pray to God the Father, so long as our prayers are align with the will of God, and so long as the intent of our prayers uh, is to bring glory to God, then those prayers 
will be answered and we can pray in faith and in confidence. You see, when I prayed that prayer about Bronnie, the prayer was answered and God's will was secured. (laughs) So we've spent the last two Sundays looking at John chapter 14, verses 1 to 14. What an awesome passage of Scripture. Jesus in the upper room with his disciples, his disciples uh, with troubled hearts, anxious about where he's going, anxious about his impending death. And we learn that believing in Jesus is the cure to a troubled heart. Believing in Jesus is the cure to a troubled heart. We learnt that Christ has prepared a permanent, unchanging dwelling place for us in heaven. And he is coming again to receive us unto himself. We learn that Jesus does not merely point the way to God. He is the way. Jesus does not just teach us the truth. He is the truth. If we know Jesus, we know truth. Jesus does not just represent one avenue to the Father, or one avenue to life. He is the very source of life itself. We learn that there is no room for compromise in the exclusive claim that Jesus is the only way to the Father. We learn that to know Jesus is to experience the Father. Through Christ, the extent and effect of the church's ministry will have even further reaching results than his earthly ministry achieved. And we learn that requests made in the name of Jesus that glorify God and form part of his will shall be granted. And that, my friends, is John 14, 1 to 14. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come this morning and we just thank you that we can know you because of Jesus, your Son, who you sent. Thank you that through Jesus' ministry here on earth, the way that he lived his life and demonstrated your kingdom, and through the sending of your Holy Spirit, we can know you and we can be in right relationship with you. And because of that, we have the wonderful assurance that there is a place for us reserved in heaven. And we can have the wonderful assurance that what we believe in is not just a crutch, but is in fact the truth. And because we believe and follow the truth, we can experience the abundance of life that you have for us. We thank you so much for that. And I pray this morning, Lord, that as we each learn to submit ourselves increasingly to the great I am, that we would become more and more familiar with the truth, with the life, and with the way of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.